Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Memorial Day. We're actually recording this on Memorial Day, and we are having a lot of fun. We're on the road. We're actually calling in from Logan, Utah, my hometown. My hometown. It's like Garrison Keeler calling in from Lake Wobegon. And actually, it's not Memorial Day. It's Memorial Day weekend. I mean, Memorial Day is Monday. But anyway, we are really thrilled to be here. I have just been up in my old stomping grounds, actually, walking around the cemetery in Bloomington, Idaho, where so many of my relatives are buried, my mom and dad, and so many great-grandmothers and great-grandmothers, grandfathers, cousins, and it really is a nice time to Linda, Linda wants to buy a few plots up there in the Bloomington Cemetery. It does have a nice view of Bear Lake. I... I would actually like to be buried in a pine box up on our property on Bear Lake in the sagebrush, but I can't talk Linda into that. Well, you want to be buried by the dog. I mean, that's the problem. Yeah, my dog's buried up if there. If you want exactly. to be buried by, by my horse, you've got to choose the dog or me. I'm not being buried up there. <laughs> well, it's a moot point because it's going to be another 25 years, but we'll think about it here in about in about 2035 <laughs> or something, but... We wanted to use the opportunity of being in our hometowns as a kind of a catalyst for today's show and talk a little about extended family and about, you know, it's funny in America, Linda, we have, when, when, when someone says family, they're usually thinking of a nuclear family, the, the mom and the dad and the kids. That is not what family means in most of the world. I mean, it's part of what family means, but it's not what, it's not the full meaning. Most of the world thinks of family as several generations. In many cases, of course, particularly in Asia, but also in South America and in a lot of the world, people live at least three generations within one household. And it works in many ways. The grandparents are the senior people in that home. And uh, I like the system because it's you know, Grandpa and Grandma are the ones that have the final say on things. Yeah, I like that system. We can't get anybody to go with that any more than arranged marriages. I really believe in arranged marriages, but <laughs> nobody can go with me. Unless you go to Indonesia or India or, you know, somewhere where it's part of the culture. Well, we do have one son we'd like to arrange a marriage for, but that's another subject for another day. But think about, think with us today about extended family and about how blessed we are to have extended families. Now, maybe that's just for some people. Maybe the whole family is an uncle somewhere or, or a cousin or whatever. And, and our family is particularly large, and it doesn't matter the size. So the point is the old saying, blood is thicker than water, really is true. And you realize that when you get out, something about being back in your hometown, Linda. You know, I walked in. We drove down the street today, and I... I, I could never have remembered this if I hadn't been here. But I'm like, oh, that's where Robert Schoonmaker used to live. Oh, that's where Dick Danes used to live. Oh, look, that's the Toolers. I used to mow their lawn. They paid me 25 cents. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Things come back to you. It's incredible. It is pretty interesting. And, and, you know, things come back to me. I love cemeteries. I think they're so fun. In the summertime when I have a little Grammy camp with my little kiddos, my grandchildren, 
um, we take him in small groups, and I always take him over to the cemetery in Bloomington, and we have a scavenger hunt for the little kids that don't know where the graves are, but most of the older kids now know where those graves are because we go every summer. And it's so fun to um, think about those people as you go um, by their graves and put flowers or just even reflect on their lives. This year I found the grave of a grandmother who we visited this year in England, her hometown. You didn't visit her, but you visited where she grew up. Alan and I did not even know that her grave was uh, there in that cemetery. So I went and sat down there yesterday and and talked to her for a little while. It was so interesting because she had 13 children and 10 of them passed away before she did. Many of them as little children. And what a... What a tragic story, but what a brave and courageous woman to go on and uh, and go through all those terrible experiences and come out um, so beautifully. She was an amazing person. Now, if you're a young parent listening today for parenting advice, you might say, oh, well, here the Ayers are telling us the joys of hanging out in cemeteries. But, you know, it is Memorial Day, and I will say, Linda, I, I think cemeteries are great places, believe it or not. They're great places to take young children because, you know, I, I was up there uh, in the Logan Cemetery last year about this time, and I had, I think, four or five grandkids, some of whom were five and six years old, and they were intrigued just trying to figure out how old people were because they're learning math, you know, and they can see the two dates, and they're figuring them up. And so I wanted to talk to the older ones for a minute about uh, my dad, who's buried there. So I, the way I got rid of the younger ones was to say, look, let's see if any of you can find someone buried here who lived to be 100 years old. And they, I swear they were, they looked for an hour and they finally found a woman and they did it by calculating, you know, the, the birth date and the death date. And they found 101, a woman who died at 101. And they were so proud of themselves. But when you We've talked about this on the show before, but the more kids think about where they came from, i.e. their ancestors, their their grandparents, their great-grandparents, and especially if you're a person, whether you're the parent or the grandparent, who can tell them some stories, interesting stories, good and bad stories, stories about success, stories about failure, that adds to a child's resilience. And that's really not our subject today, but it ties in the subject of extended families. Now, the reason we're in Logan this morning has to do with my mother's family, the Swensons, who came from Malmo, Sweden. And Linda, why are, what are we going to do here today in Logan? Um, we are so excited because Richard's aunt, his mother's oldest sister, was one of the top ten poets in America when she was alive. She's been gone for quite a while, but she was amazing. Her name is Mae Swenson, and we were so distraught. About the time we got married, they actually um, did, bought the house, the university, Utah State, Utah State purchased the old purchased homestead, the house, Swenson Homestead, and knocked it down and built a parking lot and uh, some ugly apartments. It's and, right next to the university, right below, for those of you who know Logan, right below the College Hill on 5th North. A wonderful home that Dan Swenson had literally built with his own hands. He was the head of the woodwork department at Utah State, and he had literally built this beautiful three-story home and an apartment house behind it 
and gardens and fruit trees. He was grafted fruit trees and so on. So it was this really quite wonderful little estate. None of the family could afford it at the time that they died, and so the university bought it, and, and like you say, Linda, they didn't know what to do, so they just knocked all the houses down and put a fairly ugly gravel parking lot in. Well, they wanted apartments <clears throat> for students, obviously, but something really exciting happened in the last year. Um, some people at Utah State who are in the English department, who I love, May Swenson, decided to get an initiative going, and they have got it rolling, and they're going to rebuild that house. We are so excited. They are going to rebuild it with as much authenticity as they can. They've got a lot of photographs. They've got photographs, and they're really doing a great job of um, now fundraising to rebuild this house. Actually, I think... Is that why we're here today, for fundraising? You didn't tell me that. (laughs) Absolutely. For, uh, well, we're going to have 130 of the Swenson family. Their descendants. Their direct descendants. Yeah. I've been trying to convince them that it shouldn't just be about Mae Swenson. She's a remarkable poet. She should be the flagship of this effort. But Dan himself, the father, was quite a poet. And uh, they were great church workers. And several of their descendants have been writers. Some have been reporters. Some have been authors. And so hopefully it'll evolve into a kind of a an honoring of this family, this Swedish immigrant family with no education who came over and who now all their children, they had nine children, all of them graduated from Utah State, and many went on to do other things in academia and in, and in literature. So we hope it becomes a celebration of the whole family. Now, you may say, so what? I don't really care that much about that. But the reason we mention it, is that when you, well, two obvious things. I mean, we're going to see cousins and people we haven't seen in this family for decades. We're going to see them today, and we're going to greet them, and we're going to say, isn't it great that we share an ancestry, that we share a heritage, we share, you know, this this genetic pool of these wonderful Swedish immigrants who gave up everything to come here. So that's a fantastic thing. And then to actually dig in a little and get to know more about that family and share it among family members. Boy, I hope we don't ever lose that thirst for knowing where we came from and for sort of honoring those who sacrificed everything. I mean, we think we have a tough life. Linda reminds me every once in a while if I'm complaining about some little thing. She says, ah, first world problems, you know. Yeah, it's so true. We are so blessed now when you think about what our pioneer ancestors went through, or even our parents, um, and our own grandparents. It's really, really fascinating. And um, I do have to say that this is a time when, you know, these reunions, I, I do have to say I regret um, when I was at Utah State going to school as a student, um my family, my mom, my dad's family was having a reunion in Bloomington, and I chose to go back and have a reunion with my college friends because they were all going to be there. And honestly, I've always regretted that. I think that was the, one of the dumbest things I've done because my dad was so proud of my sister and I, and I was the only one that could be there to represent the family. And so 
I do think that these reunions are more important than we realize. As we well, you never on. told me that, you bad girl. You, 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 you did the typical teenage thing and chose friends over family. You're a bad girl. That's right. I did. <laughs> and I'm not bad in every way, but that was a really bad choice. And uh, so I do think it's important to get together with families and to know family history and to realize that our extended family are part of us. So we've got people here from California, from the East. We've got people that have come in, and they're really here in order to you know, honor these these great Swensons, these great Swedish immigrants that came in. And so we're going to, after the break, we're going to talk a little more about how to be proactive in this whole business. I mean, it's one thing to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I got some ancestors. I appreciate them. and. I got some cousins and I got some uncles. I got some brothers and sisters. We we see them every once in a while. I call them on the phone. I mean, I think that's a sin of omission. I think somehow we need to remind ourselves that there are really big reasons, emotional and spiritual and otherwise, to to be more proactive about our extended families than that. So we're going to go to a brief break. I want we named this show Three Cheers for Extended Families. So Linda, take us into break by giving three cheers for extended families. Hooray, hooray, hooray. And we'll be back in just a minute. Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. And we're back. And we always want to say uh, a little apology for the audio quality on some of our shows. Because after all, the name of the show is Ayers on the Road. And we're almost always on the road. And so we're almost always on a cell phone. But from the listeners we've talked to, you can accept, uh, you know, you don't get the full studio quality. But you do get the real live, candid stuff from wherever on the road we happen to be. So, from Logan, Utah, my hometown, we're talking to you today. Um, I, we've been talking about extended family and how excited we are to be with a lot of extended family today in Logan. If you missed the first half and are just joining the show, we're doing a big celebration for Richard's aunt, who's mother, his mother's oldest sister. I keep telling you, Linda, it's for the whole Swenson family, but you keep going back to my aunt. I'm going <laughs> to pinch your ear because you're so naughty. Anyway, um, so um, we, we do have to say, though, that all of extended relatives are not always exactly on the same page. Should we say it that way? <laughs> It really yeah. is interesting. Well, that I mean, in a way, you can take that positively or negatively, right? Anytime you get a big extended family or really an extended extended family, you're not gonna you're not gonna be totally in sync with every member of the family. It's not like you're gonna say, "Oh, here we are, compatible in every way, and we all love each other, and we've never had any jealousies, and we're all just totally happy, and it's all good." That that's not the nature of families. And I guess you can look at it and say, well, that's the very reason I don't get together with my family, because old Uncle Fred will be there and he'll embarrass me or whatever. But I think the way to look at it, and this will give me your take, but I think you have to look at it for its entertainment value. <laughs> well, there's always some crazy people, and actually we are some of them. <laughs> you and I are as crazy as anybody. 
And uh, it's just interesting. It's so interesting to see how lives have gone and which direction they've gone. I mean, a lot of the people we will not have seen for decades. And it'll be so interesting to catch up with a lot. And uh, and we're so we're so appreciative of Utah State University for spearheading this project. They're going to rebuild Mace Winston's or Dan and Margaret's house where Mace Winston grew up. And uh, and where I grew up, did you know I lived in that house? Until I was 12 years old. That's the house that, well, I was born in Baltimore in Maryland, but my dad came here to work at Utah State, and we moved into that house while the Swensons were on a mission, LDS mission, back to Sweden, and we ended up staying there in the upstairs of that house until I was 12 years old. So imagine how I felt when the wrecking ball came down on that house. Um. It really is an interesting history, and of course, we both had Utah State in our blood because we both graduated from there, as well as many, many relatives. And we met there. <clears throat> and we're true Aggies. And you were the homecoming queenies. Oh, man. That was a long time ago, wasn't it? Anyway, um, it is a good time to get together, and especially Memorial Day, whether you're getting together with people that are alive and well, or whether you're you're really doing some remembering of wonderful people in your life who are in the um, now in the grave or on the other side, and uh, and also to remember our, our veterans and so many people who gave their lives for us to keep us free. Um, it is a good time to think about that. It really is, and back to what you said earlier about we're not always going to be on the same page with all of our relatives. I, here, here's the prescriptive part of the show, and then sometimes we're accused of being too prescriptive and parceling out too much advice, and I certainly don't mean for this to sound preachy, but for what it's worth, I think the best way to approach extended family is to remind yourself and sort of have it in your mind that, that it's all about love. It's not about... Uh, judging. It's not about, well, why did he go off the deep end? Well, man, that guy's a mess. Well, uh, why is he even here? You know, he's sort of departed. He's he's left uh, our faith, or he's he's he doesn't do this or doesn't do that. That, that. There's no there's no point in that, frankly, and no place for it. But if if you if you approach a family gathering with an attitude of two things. Number one, love, unconditional love. I love you because we're, we're brothers, we're sisters, we're cousins, we're whatever. And two, learning, the idea that we can all learn from each other and your experience may be very different than mine. I'm really interested to know where your life has taken you and what what are you doing now and what are you thinking now and what is your perspective of things and I think when we approach it with those two things in mind, that we want to love and we want to learn, then I just think it's all good. I just don't think there's any worries about uh, really being proactive about extended family. I do have to say that our daughter, Shawnee, and her husband, David, and uh, their daughter, Grace, have been on trek this week in Arizona. And there are a lot of people out on trek right now in the Intermountain West, and which, if you don't know what that is, they give people a handcart and a certain number of pounds that they can take with them, and a, and everybody gets a bonnet and a long skirt, and they walk for a long, long time, like our pioneer ancestors used to. 
So they're going to have a whole new appreciation of what these people went through to get us where we are today. I think it's one of the best things that we do in, in this LDS culture. And it's not just LDS, of course, but but these wagon trains, these 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 hand carts. Um, we went and spoke, was it a couple of years ago, Linda? We went and spoke at a big trek thing way up in the mountains in a little valley. And there were there were hundreds. There might have been a thousand kids there, and their their adult leaders, and they were partway through the trek, and those kids were tired and blistered and sunburned, and and yet there was the nicest feeling of these kids realizing, wow, we're doing this for what three or four days, and and our our ancestors, our pioneer ancestors, did this all the way across America. Oh, and by the way, they didn't have people bringing them in food. Absolutely. They have really nice food on the way. <clears throat> and it really is so interesting. As these kids, several of our grandchildren have done this, and several of our children have been the ma and pa, or the ones that were in charge of their little group, their little family. And it really is an eye-opener. Until you actually get out on the trail, you don't really get it. And, you know, some people are saying, oh, you know, but really food being brought in and all that, how real is that? It really does open eyes to what those people went through. Now, I want to introduce one other aspect of this that will apply uh, appeal to some of you who are listening. There, There's a whole other category of relative, and Linda and I have been trying to give a name to it. It's, it's the families of those who marry your children. In other words, it's your in-law children, it's your son-in-law, your daughter-in-law, it's their family, and it's particularly their parents. And just yesterday, we had a chance to have breakfast with Ron and Nedra Shumway, who are the parents of Jeff Shumway, who married our daughter, Sadie. And I have to say, that's a special relationship. Now, that one doesn't involve the blood is thicker than water thing. That's not a blood relationship, but what a relationship it is, and we've chosen to call it co-grandparents. And why not? Because what we want to talk about when we get together like yesterday is don't, don't, aren't we lucky, the four of us, to have the four cutest grandkids in the world? And we, that's always a wonderful conversation starter. Of course, we're glad that the other uh, grandparents are not there and uh, that our children are not hearing that, but it really is true. Wait, you're glad the what? Well, you're saying they're the best Oh, oh, our other, our other. Yeah. Okay, well. Yeah. Anyway, uh, just being sensitive. Anyway, um, it really was. It is so fun, and they're all different. We are so blessed. They're so different. We have um, one in-law who's been divorced a couple of times and just a solid rock and so terrific. And then we have other in-laws who are not members of our church, and they're so great. They've raised a wonderful daughter. I mean, that's why that's what you base it on. You're so grateful. You're saying, like, you know, I'm just so I, I I love you as a friend and as a co-grandparent, and I'm so grateful to you because you raised this person who has made my child complete. It really is fun to spend some time, and we actually have now that we have email. It's just hard when you have to sit down and write a letter, although. That's kind of a lost art, which is sad. But um, when you have emails for these people, we just send them a little note every once in a while, like, how are you doing? Um, we we so appreciate you, and whenever you're in town, let's get together. You know, 
And wasn't it great that Charlie, our grandchild in years, made the major league, little league team and stuff like that? Yeah. And we're maybe unusual, but a lot of you listening will have this same situation. We have only one of our children, of our nine, live in Utah or close enough to us to get together quite often. And none of the in-law families are from Utah. None of the in-law families. Absolutely none of them. They live far away, one in Switzerland, one one's in England right now, one's um, in California, they're in Texas. They're they're everywhere. And, and you could take that as a big van and maybe some of you are saying, Well you poor you poor Irish, your 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 people, you're you're talking about all these extended families, they all live so far away. But I know where you're going with this, Linda. Thank goodness for not only email but texting and Skyping and you you can really you there's no excuse if you wanna have a proactive closer relationship with extended family, there's no reason you can't do it. Distance is not a problem. And let's face it, you're going to be best friends with them by the time we get through with our lives with all of the children, the baby blessings, the baptisms, the marriages, the missionary farewells, but all those things are times when we're going to have contact with these people who we love because they have raised amazing children. So I'm going to challenge you a little bit. I mean, take it or leave it, but I suggest you have an email list that has a family section, and in that family section, depending on your age and your family situation, that you have a little list for cousins. You have another little list for co-grandparents if you're in that situation. You have another little list for uncles and aunts, and you can combine them all and send off a note to all of your family. Now, some of you say, well, I'm on I'm on Instagram or I'm on Facebook. They'll, they'll know about me if they want to. And that's true. Social media is terrific. But I still think once in a while a letter that comes from you as an email or whatever it can, can really extend sort of the desire for closer friendship and closer communication and just catch you up to date with those folks. Um, and you're so good at that, honey. But I do have to say also, sometimes we, uh, as you young people with the young families still home, um, have in-laws that are difficult, you know, the old mother-in-law thing. Um, but there are difficult situations that are, it's important to work through them because, as we said, you know, life is long. I mean, a lot of people say life is short. I say life is long. And there's a lot of things that we can do to really improve relationships in our extended family. So, to summarize, um, it's important to do what you can. Now, different people take different roles. You may have someone in your family that really gets into genealogy and someone else that really gets into personal stories. And some You may be lucky enough to have someone that's always trying to keep people in touch and maybe someone does a family newsletter that goes around and so on. But our challenge is find your own way to make a proactive effort to be a good member of an extended family. And with that, let's go out with the three cheers for extended families. Hibberay! 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 And happy Memorial Day. Again next week. Bye-bye. See you next week on Ayers on the Road. <laughs>